Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast with me, your host, Chris Target. This podcast is for mortgage brokers and estate agents who are looking to grow their online presence through social media. I'll share tips, best practices, and useful tools that will help you save time and ultimately expand your business. Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast. Today, I have with me someone I've been wanting to get on for a good couple of years now. And if you're watching on YouTube, you'll know his face. It's the one and only Matt Chapman. So for anyone that doesn't know who Matt is, he's an insurance expert and heads up his company, The Protection Coach, whilst also running Plus Financial Group, CEO of Money Bliss and founder of Company Protection. So with all these companies under his belt, he still manages to put out his hugely informative social media content and interact with his audience at the same time. At the minute, he's specializing in as a protection coach, so helping mortgage brokers sell more protection. And that's exactly what I want to pick his brains about today, how he's helping his clients sell more protection, what works for him on social media, and of course, how he fits it all in. So Matt, thank you very much for coming on, mate. Hello, mate. Thanks for having me. That was a bit of a big introduction, wasn't it? Mate? <laughs> Made me sound really grandiose. I'm not. I just sit here in my little in my little computer, just working away. But no, it's very kind, mate. Good to see you. How you doing? It's great to have you on. And I think we had a little interview at the Primus Live event, and then mm. um, went through a lot in the five minute questions that we did. And I thought, right, I need to get you on the podcast for a more in depth chat specializing in protection because it's a big area at the moment and we'll get into all that in a minute but you've just come back from was it edinburgh last week where you did a like a specialist presentation was it edinburgh oh mate i've been all over the place recently so i've been to cardiff cheltenham london brighton scotland so i was up in glasgow well, it's motherwell perth and motherwell oh, okay so yeah one company that's got that many advisors that we had to spread it over two days in four sessions there's that many we couldn't get them all in a room um, absolutely brilliant firm and I just love their whole attitude because it was like oh we can we can, we're doing really well and actually their protection penetration rates are probably above average they're really really good but they were like we can still do more and I just I love firms that think that way so got me up there the, the whole atmosphere was brilliant everyone was super receptive it was phenomenal mate loved it Absolutely. Oh, awesome. See it all over LinkedIn. And we'll get into the type of content that you do because I saw some posts on LinkedIn which were photos of you up on the stand and talking about how you've been helping people. But a lot of your content is really, really informative. And you use the very much pull the audience towards you, then push content onto them, don't you? Um, with informative content. So before we get into all of that. I'd like to get a bit of a background to who you are, what you've done, and how you've done it to get to where you are today. Oh, wow. Um, the history. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I've, I've kind of always circled around financial services for some reason. Uh, when I left school, I was doing a bit of work at Britannic Assurance, which is now Phoenix Group. So, um, yeah, big life provider. And, and ultimately, I think when I was there, I kind of got a bit of a flavour for financial services. Then I did a bit of a stint at Lloyds Banking Group. Um, then randomly went to go live in Spain for 10 years. I think we mentioned it earlier. I thought yes. randomly went to go live in Marbella for 10 years, which was which was phenomenal. I mean, don't be wrong, it was brilliant. Um, we had our, our two youngest kids over there. And I think for us as parents, having young kids, it was one of the greatest experiences because we managed to give the kids like a really wonderful upbringing over there and kind of got the best of both worlds. And then post-economic crash, it was like it became quite difficult to exist over there for so many different reasons. And then when we came back, I ended up contracting. And at the time, it was the height of the PPI scandal. So I ended up contracting right. with people like 
And I ended up in an ops role at Nationwide and I was kind of running this remediation program for them. Um, but it was really fascinating because I, I covered all these different work streams from start to finish. But one of the key ones was getting involved in the sort of the, the FOS decisions when the cases were then escalated up to the ombudsman. And I was doing a lot of policy work with them and understanding like what their approach was. What I learned there was probably the key to what I've done as a, as a protection advisor and now as a coach, because it kind of completely refocused the way I look at things, which is now instead of thinking, well, I'm selling an insurance contract, it's like, well, what are the outcomes? Where could it go wrong? How can I adjust my prioritization to make sure I'm filling as many gaps, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's more outcomes based than it is. I'm trying to sell insurances or I'm trying to cover a mortgage. It's more, okay, well, what are we really doing here? and Where could it go wrong? Because I've seen it at the back end of the complaint process, right? Oh, interesting. And that's really phenomenal because it's kind of, it's not typically how we go about doing things in the industry, particularly not in the mortgage advisor space. And so it's really allowed me to provide more insight and maybe a different alternative approach for a lot of advisors that maybe isn't something they're used to or is that familiar with. But I think it resonates more with people because it makes them feel like they are then making the right decisions or producing good outcomes. And I think for a lot of advisors, historically, it's felt very much like a sales process, right? Our mm -hmm. advice on a mortgage and now I've got to sell them some insurances. And a lot of the work I'm doing is trying to reframe that whole perspective, which is no, 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 no. You're an advisor in both counts. And, you know, advice is, is holistic. It's not about the mortgage itself. It's about someone's ability to get the mortgage and then support their family. And I did one the other day, and it's fascinating. I was talking about this idea that, you know, we think about someone saying, oh, I'm having mortgage life insurance. So a lot of mortgage brokers tend to default to mortgage life insurance, for example, because they're just renting a mortgage. It makes sense. The reason someone takes mortgage life insurance isn't because they want to pay off the mortgage per se. It's because ideally they want their family to stay in the home, mm -hmm. right? But the irony is lots of people end up having to sell the home because they can't afford the ongoing bills when the first person's income goes. So yes, mm. you can clear the mortgage, but actually <laughs> unless you give that family the financial support they need to keep paying the bills to keep in the house, mm -hmm. you're not achieving the objective. So it isn't about uh, okay. the mortgage life insurance. It's about... What's the client's primary objective? Is it to keep the family in the home? Okay, well, then what can we look at? Well, a combination of, say, mortgage life insurance, family income benefit to cover the shortfall in the loss of earnings and making sure they can pay all those bills because there's the outcomes-based approach. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. So what you're saying, and this is coming from an absolute dummy in the industry, coming and saying to you so instead of having that call and saying right have you thought about life insurance and that person says no okay well your mortgage is a hundred thousand pounds we need to make sure that you're covered for 100 grand yeah. the question that you're teaching your clients to ask is right what outcome do you want if there was only one income coming into the house that one of you died well we'd want to keep the house okay so how much do you need to keep the house rather than how much you need to pay off the mortgage is Absolutely. that so what are the bills? So I'll give you a prime example. We know typically that a mortgage relates to around 20% of people's total outgoings. It's actually not as much as people think. It's usually about just over 20%, even with the rise in living costs. So even though mortgage rates have gone up, so have all the other bills, right? So naturally, it's about 20% of people's living costs. So you've got this scenario, which is like, well, if you're only covering the mortgage, you're actually exposing them that 80% of all their other expenses aren't being covered, right? So it's just about thinking of it holistically. I'm conscious we've just jumped from history straight into this bit. So no, no, that's fine. It's because this is what the listeners lo would love yeah, to hear. Absolutely. But I've kind of that's then led, obviously. So when I came back and did that, and then I became a protection advisor, the firm I was working at, I I wasn't that comfortable with the processes that we were doing. It's not they didn't think particularly wrong. It was just that it seemed to be 
something about the way the industry was operating and it all being about debt-led advice and, oh, you take out this debt, you've got to protect yourself from this debt. It didn't seem right to me, particularly because we we're dealing with a lot of new build customers. So I then started to look at this alternative approach of going to the beginning and kind of going, actually, it's not about the debt. It's about getting the debt, maintaining the debt, keeping the debt, paying all the other bills, having that, like I said, that holistic approach. And that's what led me to become what I would like to think is a good protection advisor. And then ultimately, because of this slightly alternative approach, not that I'm reinventing the wheel, but maybe I'm just taking it in a slightly different direction or, or saying it in a slightly different way, maybe. It's kind of led to me launching the protection coach. And now that's kind of, it's brilliant actually, because it's led to some really amazing opportunities where I'm working with some of the biggest firms in Britain and helping them to change the way they approach protection. Not so much as the point of view of, I'm trying to make them all sell loads more protection. I want them to feel that they can do it the right way, that they feel happy discussing with clients. It doesn't feel onerous or difficult or unpleasant that they're not having to worry about trying to get the client to spend more money. It's done in a different way where the conversation between advisor and client feels far nicer in the same way you would a mortgage. Mm -hmm. And I often say to me, it's a really weird thing, mate, when it comes to protection, that most advisors have this real confidence issue around protection, particularly mortgage advisors. I mean, ignore wealth advisors. They tend to think protection is this poor relation, even though, you know, they need it to make sure they can carry on with their investment plans and stuff. But ultimately, mortgage advisors look at protection. It's very much like, oh, it's a daunting prospect. I don't want to discuss it because I'm selling insurance. And I'll keep going, look, your title is mortgage advisor and protection seller. It's mm -hmm. mortgage and protection advisor, right? So in the same way that you wouldn't accept a client going against your mortgage advice, I don't understand why you feel it's okay for them to go against your protection advice. So if you, wow. I use this example all the time, right, about someone walking into a mortgage advisor and going, hi there, I, I'd love to buy this house. Brilliant, thank you, fantastic. You go through the process. Right, what I'd like to do actually is I plan on selling this house in 12 months because I've got a fixed term contract. You know, I'm sure you're going to ask me at the end, but I'd like to move to Glasgow, the middle of Scotland, no, somewhere else. I'm going to sell the house, right? So I'm going to buy a different one up there or rent up there. So I'm only keeping it for 12 months. Um, what mortgage do you recommend? And you're going to go, well, nothing with early repayment charges or fixed products because we don't want you to be lumbered with costs when you come to sell it. If the client there went, no, I want a 10-year fixed rate product with massive fees, you'd be like, no. You would yeah. never tolerate as a mortgage advisor someone going against your advice if you knew it was going to cause them harm and detriment. If you knew it wasn't mm -hmm. in their best interest to say, sorry, I don't agree with this. I don't think this works. So why do we then say to clients, right, I strongly recommend you have this, 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 and this with protection. They go, mm, and then you go, okay, all right, it's not mandatory, you know, and we kind of brush it under the carpet like it's not important. What's the difference? Either you're an advisor or you're not an advisor, and I don't understand the mindset. So much of the work I do is about reframing the mindset and saying, 100%. No, have conviction, be an advisor, believe in what you're saying, believe in what you do, because the irony is, as soon as you do, the client does. It's a really strange yeah. phenomenon. As soon as you say it with a level of chest and conviction, the client goes, oh, yeah, well, they must mean that. So, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Because you've built that trust up initially, haven't you, I suppose, yeah, with the mortgage? Because you're that confident in the mortgage advice that it's it's so much easier then, I suppose, to sell the protection off the back of that. And I know this is a real, this is a really basic um, example of it, but I used to work at Comet years and years ago. I'd have so much conviction, so much confidence in selling the product. But when it came to the insurance, do you want the insurance? No, no, I'm all right. Okay, no problem. And that was it. And it was almost, it's exactly the same as you're selling them the main product. But why don't you have that conviction with the protection? And I think you spoke about it really well there, that 
it's it's a product that you can have such big clawbacks on. So you need to make sure that they understand it and have confidence in that product. Because if you just do a a half half ass job on it, it can cost you a lot of money in the long run, can't it? Absolutely. And I think if you do it properly, not only, and this is what's really weird about protection. I don't know another job where you can earn as much as you can as a protection advisor and then do something really positive at the same time. These are not mutually exclusive mm-hmm. things. It's not like, oh, you make loads of money, but you cause detriment for people. It's one of those really weird things, which is the more money you make, in theory, the better outcomes you're producing for people, the more resilient mm-hmm. you're making. It's a very weird phenomenon. And that's why I don't understand why advisors aren't jumping up and down to do more of it, because it's like, there is no negative outcome. The thing with a mortgage, ironically, is when you arrange a mortgage, you're actually lumbering someone with a huge debt. You know, it's like trying to mm. big noose around their neck, right? Or a huge Damocles above their head. The protection's really weird because we all see it as like this poor relation as something that it's a bit uncomfortable to talk about, mainly because things like death, cancer, that stuff, you know, taboos. I know people that won't even say cancer, they said the big C or whatever it is. So it's like, it's a bit of a weird subject matter. But what I try and do in the coaching is get people to think of it completely differently. So I'll give you a prime example of this. And this is how you stop things like clawbacks and materialising in the first place. Most mortgage brokers will go, oh, well, the clients come to me for a mortgage. They haven't come to me for insurances. So what have we got to do? We've got to connect the dots for them, right? So mm-hmm. this is how I do Not here's a debt. Let's re- let's protect the debt, right? Because quite frankly, no one gives a crap about the debt. So I'm like, but it's true. Okay. It's the yeah. debt, right? And let's be, let's be frank. Santa and they are going to cope if you don't pay them. They are. They're going to be absolutely fine. So actually, <laughs> it's not about that. It's more about, right? You need to make sure you can feed yourself, keep the roof over your head, keep the heating on, put food in the fridge, keep your kids warm and fed, and all those kind of That's the stuff that actually hits you here as a parent, mm-hmm. as a person, as an individual. And so I say, look, let's connect the dots for a minute. If you're saying to me as a mortgage advisor, it's part of my coaching, right? well, it's difficult because clients come to you for a mortgage, they don't come to me for insurances. Okay, well, this is how you do it. If a client comes to you for a mortgage, what are you doing when you arrange your mortgage? Simple. You're leveraging someone's income to obtain them a debt. So isn't it then logical to go to the client, right, before we go any further, you know, affordability, we think you could borrow this. Before we go any further, just want to carry out a basic income stress test. Can you just walk me through how sustainable your income is? What I mean by that is we're now looking at leveraging the income you rely on to survive for the next 30 odd years or so. Right. And then actually you still need it even up to retirement. So just walk me through. Something happens to you when you can't work for any reason. What happens to your income? How sustainable is it? And they're going to go, oh, well, it's not. And you go, right, well, that's the first thing we've got to get sorted. Mm. So what we've done now is we've connected the dots and linked it back to what the client's trying to achieve, which is buy a home, get a mortgage, whatever it is they want to do. And we've connected the dots and integrated and embedded the two things. Now, that's not a particularly salesy conversation, is it? That's not me trying to sell you insurances. That's me placing a logical argument around what you want to do is this, We've now got your income and your deposit and your credit score. And we're going to use that to get you this. So before we do that, and we worry about submitting an application where I say for the lender, I think you can afford this for the next 30 years. Can you? And they're going to go, I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, let's make sure you can. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. It's not the same as here's the debt. Let's protect you from the debt. It's more integrated into the advice process. And it's something that's a lot more palatable and easy for mortgage advisors to do. I'm just saying that as an example, by the way. There's lots yeah. of look at but it's just about giving advisors tools where they feel they can have these conversations with their customers and it not feel like I'm trying to ram insurances down your throat because no one wants to do that. Not, not the advisor, not the client. So there's got to be easier and simpler ways of doing it that feel a bit more natural, right? And that's the, it's, it's that natural conversation, isn't it? And mm. personally, I think 
as British people, were so hesitant to try and sell insurance in inverted commas because it brings such commission. I think if it, I don't know if you would agree, if it didn't bring so much commission, then do you think people would be more inclined to offer it as an advisory service rather than I feel a bit guilty earning all this money off something that is an extra to the mortgage? I've never felt guilty at all for the amount of money I make, because what I know is that when I'm doing that, I'm do firstly, if you do it on indemnity, it comes with a degree of risk, doesn't it? It's not as mm -hmm. if you go, I've got that money. It's actually, you know, it's there. And as you quite rightly said earlier, if you haven't done it properly, you're subject to clawback. Um, and at the end of the day, clients need to change and things happen, which is why I actually encourage advisors not to do debt exclusively, because if you do, that's the one thing in their life that is guaranteed to change. The debt's going to change. They're going to move home. They're going to sell the house. They're going to remortgage. They're going to change the term. It's going to change. You're going to end up with a clawback or have to rebroke it. So actually, income-based advice, if you're focusing on things like family income benefit and income protection, are actually far more long-term products with less likelihood of lapsing. We know they're stickier because they're linked to people's lifestyles, not individualized debts that can change. So in actual fact, it's a far more positive thing to be focused on. But I don't know. It's a very good question. And I think it goes down to psychology. I don't feel guilty because I feel every time I do something of value that's protecting a household, that's making sure that parents can feed their kids and keep a roof over their heads, that's a really positive thing. And it requires a certain set of skills for me to educate and get the client engaged. Mm -hmm. And I'm compensated accordingly, right? And, and in some respects, I kind of think that's pretty cool. And I don't understand why more advisors don't see it that way because going back to my point, and I said this to these guys I'm coaching the other day, I was kind of like, look, what we're looking to do is produce the best possible outcomes we can for all of the clients you speak to and and make as much money as we possibly can in the process. They are not negative things. There's no like, oh, that's, that's my point thing to do. Right. And I just yeah. think we've got to change our mindset, which is, no, do you know, what? if you are allowing someone to be financially secure enough or resilient enough to stay in their home and feed their kids for the rest of their lives, you should be compensated for that. Because mm -hmm. that's a valuable thing to go. If you if you put your head on your pillow tonight and you could say, I know now I never need to worry about money again. It's priceless, right? Mm -hmm. There you go. That's all I'm saying. Worth it's it's funny. It's that it's that word insurance just has that connotation. It's very similar. And again, I just like to use these very simple analogies for me, from my point of view to understand is if you were to say somebody double glazing salesman, You'd automatically think of shark, but that double glazing has enhanced the value of the property, enhanced the energy efficiency. They are all good things. It's just that the double glazing salesmen, especially like the BBC TV series, I think it was White Gold, they um, made a hell of a lot of money off it. Yes, they were dodgy, but I think that negative connotation came from the amount of money they were making for it. The, the outcome of the property of installing double glazing never actually changed did it it was beneficial and that's it seems like it's very similar we just need to equity release another example i know people that have had it it's a fantastic product it just sometimes has those negative connotations and it takes a mindset shift and i believe somebody like yourself to get a mortgage broker to be get thinking differently about that so you've given us a few tips and we're going to get uh, on to PPI, social media short i was gonna say ppi is no different we have a mm -hmm. really negative perception of ppi ppi kept a lot of people in their homes yeah we never hear about the positive side of it yeah very mate, i used to have to write checks for people and it would basically be well, how much have you had of the policy and we'd look at that thousands of pounds of the policy 
All we were compensating for was the way in which it was sold, which hasn't helped because then it makes everyone feel like they're selling. Now, don't get me wrong. There were some really bad practices around when PPR was actually recommended. And some of it was all, all automatic, as in clients didn't even know they were getting out of But there was mm -hmm. thousands, if not millions of people that claimed on PPI and it proved incredibly helpful for them. So there you go. Interesting, Anyways. isn't it? So you've given us a couple of tips on how to sell more protection, how to in, in not, we actually didn't talk about how to sell more, how to sell it better and how to be, have better conversations. Mm -hmm. Before we move on to the social media section, how else can you help brokers? What do you do? How can you help them if they were to sign up with you? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I'd say is by all means, follow me on social media if you don't already, because mm -hmm. there's just daily tips on there. They're completely free. They might just provide a little bit of nugget information to help you. A um, couple of things, really, for the sort of the larger firms, because I tend to spend much of my time working with the larger firms these days. So we're talking about firms of sort of like five, 10 plus advisors um, up to sort of some of the biggest ones. That tends to be where I'm working most because I can have the biggest impact at those kind of firms. Um, but if you're an individual, like I say, either follow the stuff or early next year, I've been working with Ash Borland on developing a um, like a coaching program. So it's going to be all online, modules online. It's basically a condensed version of everything that I teach in my sessions. It's far more cost effective than using my coaching time because these days I'm charging a bit more. Um, mm -hmm. But it's one of those things. It would be a very useful tool for advisors. It kind of gives them all of those clever little processes, nuggets, things to say, position techniques, language to use, prioritization, because that's one thing. Most brokers don't have no idea where to start and where to finish. And a lot mm -hmm. of it's right show you how to, to give you confidence when you go into a conversation now how and when to introduce it so well, that's all in those modules that'll be launched i think early next year all going well depending on whether i can get get the final few modules recorded it's just like i'm so busy um but other than that you know if there are firms that do want to speak to me i normally just do a discovery call first and the idea is just understanding in their business what's going wrong or why they think there's a problem, what they think could be improved and why. And then we kind of benchmark some goals for them. And then I'll put a coaching proposal together for them. And it's really just helping them to, to make the most out of every opportunity, but also to, to not shy away from this stuff. Right, Because yeah. right now with the mortgage market going the way it is, it's a bit volatile. We don't really know what's going to happen. Thankfully, the base rate's stuck where it is. But still, there's lots of people who are not acting or waiting to see what's going to happen or have already acted. And so for mortgage advisors, there has never been a better time to focus on protection, both new customers and client book. You know, and that's the one thing I do a lot of coaching on is client book. People forget what an untapped gold mine that is in terms of going back and reaffirming these clients and talking about financial resilience and looking at new solutions. All these products I've just mentioned, IP and FIB, we know that around 4% 4, 4 of adults have it. So we know that 96% of those clients out there don't have it. So what a great opportunity. Pick up the phone, speak mm. to your clients. How's your financial resilience? Would you like to be more resilient? Who's going to say no? Would you like to be more financially resilient? No. So it's a great opportunity to go out and speak to clients and sort of introduce them to these new products. And I say new products, new solutions that maybe you haven't recommended. New solutions, yeah. Yeah, and it's like helping them understand how it might help them navigate and survive this cost of living crisis. So I think now's a great time. So either follow me on socials, reach out to me if you want some help. Thank you. I appreciate you doing that. Um, or alternatively, you know, just see what you can do. Just look at the tools that you've got in front of you. Look at your clients and see how you can potentially yeah. provide more holistic support to them right now. Get in touch with Matt on social. And that leads us perfectly into the social media section of the podcast. So you are massive on social media. Right. The question, the question is, can you sell protection on social media, Matt? Easily. And I proved okay. it lockdown. Um, 
I think the truth of it is the mistake that most brokers make is that what they try and do is they almost try and treat the client like they're a bit stupid or they kind of use these shock tactics or try and focus on product, right? Mm -hmm. People don't buy products, they buy solutions or they buy something that's going to offer them some value, right? So I guess my personal thoughts on it are that you should use education as the tool. Like the yeah. reason that people sign up with me as a coach is because I've proved my authority by providing valuable education and that boosts my authority. They go, oh, of course you're going to go and deal with him because he's the guy, he's the expert in protection. And he tells us this. So my advice to any broker out there that wants to sell protection online, which I think is very, very easy, by the way, is to think about it, one, from the client's perspective, not what you're trying to sell, but what is going to appeal to your customer. And right now it's things like financial resilience, income security, being able to do this, being able to achieve that, you know, whatever their goals are, show them away. If you've got clients who are sitting in the ether about to join the mortgage journey, talk about, have you thought about how to get yourself home buyer ready? Ring fence your income, ring fence your deposit, ring fence your credit score. I've got some amazing tools on how to do that. And here's some tips. And then it leads into a couple of days worth of information around things like income protection. Why is it so important? How does it relate to the mortgage journey? So it's not about selling a product. It's about educating 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 and then the client will feel well informed enough to want to use your services because you've created that need and intent that's how i think it should be done personally i love and i'm gonna say i think i said it last week was ash Borland came out with a saying and i just thought this hit the nail on the head he said your social media isn't your fishing rod it's your lighthouse and i yeah. just thought that is incredible and I've been trying to think of something very similar for the last two weeks. So I'm going to reach out to him and say, I'm just going to have to use it because it was just, that good. Just do what he does and ask ChatGPT. <laughs> yeah. That's another episode AI. Um, so, But you are very, very big on informative content. It's very similar to um, another guest that I had on. Um, and he was talking about giving loads more educational stuff. Give, give, give. If anybody's ever listened to Gary V, he's called Jab, 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 Right Hook. So give. Yeah more than val more value than asking for the business what are you well, obviously we know that informative content's working well for you because you're telling people how to you're telling mortgage brokers how to sell more protection but what could a give us three videos or three posts that a broker could put out there to try and inform their audience about protection insurance whatever it may be okay first one is how to boost your financial resilience, right? Okay. Make sure you've always got income in the bank and then use an example of, say, furlough, right? So in COVID, what did the government do? Well, they didn't turn around and go, well, I'll pay your mortgage off or I'll give you 50 grand if you end up in an ICU. They said, what you need, because everybody needs it, is a regular income because when you can't go to work, the bills don't stop. So the key is focusing on what's going to deliver the best returns for you, what's going to be the best investment for you, you know, and then focus on income mm -hmm. as a way of boosting your financial resilience. And that way, whatever happens, doesn't matter as long as you've got money coming in each month you're going to be fine you can feed your kids blah, blah, blah. right the Love second that. one i would probably do the one i've just said ironically about mortgages which is you know if you've got mortgage life insurance do you know if it's enough to actually make sure your family can stay in the home because a lot of people take it out thinking that it's enough to, but have you thought about what might happen to your partner or the income your partner brings in if they pass away because it's likely to stop so it's great that you've got mortgage life insurance. Fantastic. But have you thought about the ongoing bills and making sure that you've got enough coming in? Because what, what tends to happen is that um, when someone passes away, the partner or the spouse, particularly if they're a part-time or, or our working partner, 
they tend not to be able to go to work because particularly if there's Very kids... Very good point, yeah. It's not even that individual and the other individual. It's, well, I can't a minute, if I've got kids, suddenly I've got dependent needs and I can't work anymore because now I'm on my own running the household. And then you lose both incomes. So it's actually, ask yourself, is it enough? That's a really good one. Um, what else, what else, what else? Ah, I, loved, I love educational videos, right? So I did one recently... Um, I, I was helping someone do something similar. And it's like the the science of it. So I love like the science and the psychology of it all. And there's this one I did on like, optimism bias. And it's this idea that optimism bias stops you from making decisions that are in your best interest. So again, education, not selling, 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 but mm -hmm. education. So for example, why do people not take out protection insurance? Optimism bias. Optimism bias is when you get up every day and you think everything's fine because it was yesterday. And so we think, well, nothing's going to change. And so mm -hmm. we don't have insurances because you actually think, well, tomorrow everything's going to be fine until it's not. You know, nobody gets up thinking today's the day I'm going to die or today's the day I'm going to get cancer. It's just that's what happens, right, to millions of people. But I used to say, let me explain an example, an educational post of how optimism bias stops you from making smart decisions. So here's the thing. Current cancer rates mm -hmm. are one in two. Yeah, one in two. So that means either you're going to get it or I'm going to get it in theory. Mm -hmm. yeah? But optimism bias works by you thinking it's going to be me and I think it's going to be you and neither of us take them. <laughs> yeah. But the facts are both of us could get it. So what yeah. this is about, it's not about selling the product. It's about selling the barriers that stop people doing things and then overcoming those things that would normally become objections by using educational posts to gain the intent to go, actually, it's got a point, you know, it's got a point, you know. Yeah, I love this one as well. It's another post, so I'll give you another idea. Go I, for it, go for it. I did one ages ago. It's this idea of insuring the golden egg, not the goose that lays it. Mm -hmm. Right? So yeah. you can imagine most people insure the pets, the home, the car, all other stuff. And it's like, it's important. Of course it is. You understand why. But the problem is, is you forget that the very thing that pays for all is your income, and you don't insure that. Mm -hmm. And that, worse still, that even pays for the premiums that pays for the insurance. Right? So it's like, get back to basics and i say that's a bit like insuring the golden egg not the goose that lays it and it's using those simple analogies that get people oh. thinking and going oh he's got a point i need to do something about that this guy's clever oh he's, he's tapped into my brain and you go oh cool then you build your authority that way so that's what i do that's what i was going to say it's especially on that last example is you've used something that people can resonate with for example, with mortgages, you do it with the agreement of principle. You do a post saying, would you ever go to Sainsbury's without your wallet? No, you wouldn't. So why go shopping for a house without your AIP? We do it for mortgages. Then try and do it for protection and insurance with something that people can resonate with. So you wear shin pads at football. Do you know what I mean? You wear a helmet whilst you're on a horse. Why aren't you protecting yourself? You aren't you protecting when you get in the car. Yeah, seatbelt was another one that we did for a company. It's trying to find things that we're not necessarily talking about the product of income protection. We're linking it to a benefit that we do every day. We put our belt on. So why don't you protect your income? It's got a bad history of crashing. You wouldn't, would you? You'd be like, nah, nah, you're right. I'll go with a different airline. And you pay a lot yeah. more for it because we yeah. value our safety. There's a great one. Um, I remember, I watched, and again, this is educational stuff. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, mate, they're all pinging off my head now. The one was like, you know, do you buy lottery tickets? Do you want to be a millionaire? Yes, no. Okay, well, if you want to be a millionaire, you probably already are a millionaire because the average person earns 1.82 million over their lifetime. It's just that we don't see it as value because we earn it every month, right? But you're already a multimillionaire. Yet you're wasting money buying lottery tickets when you should be spending the money and protecting the millions you've already got. So it's just like slightly different ways of approaching Mindset it. shift. I like yeah, that. Yeah, mate, there's, there's another one. What's the other one? Oh, my God, yeah. It's, it's like I did one the other day and it's like, would you retire on 100 grand? 
would you retire tomorrow on 100 grand? Vote, yes or no? It's like, right, well, most people, that's kind of level of insurance they've got. It's not going to be enough. You know, mm. you just think about how much do you need to get from today to the day that you wouldn't need to work anymore? That's what you need to be focused. There's another one as well. It's a really, really good one, which is I saw this bloke and he's like an inspirational speaker. And he said, if I came to your house tomorrow and gave you a million quid, would you take it? And you go, yeah. Mm-hmm. So how if I give you 10 million quid? Yeah. What about 100 million? Yeah. Okay. What if I said, I'll give you 100 million, but you die tomorrow? He'd be like, nah, right? And you go, so your life is worth more than 100 million quid? Okay. Yeah, I could put, insure it for that then. I'm yeah. just, this is the weird thing. If I gave you a million quid, you wouldn't accept you're going to die tomorrow. If I gave you 100 million, you wouldn't accept you're going to die tomorrow because you want to spend more time on this planet. Yet mm. we don't think of it that contextually. I'll give you another brilliant one, by the way. I use this all the time in my coaching. There's five basic necessities that we need to survive in this world. And this is really weird because this isn't about having a great time and going, oh, I don't have a wonderful time and eating takeaway with your family. This is about actually surviving to the end of the week, particularly now as we're going into winter because it's getting cold. Right, and the air, food, water, heat and shelter. Five things we need to live because we've commoditized our existence. How many of them are free, mate? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, and then we're we're debating whether we should be insuring incomes. It's like, come on. The one thing that pays for the four other things. Yeah. No, the thing very interesting and right, but it's the psychology, and that's what I love about what I do. And so, my advice to brokers is stop thinking about the product you're trying to sell and start thinking about what is it that a client's going to go like wake up and smell because it's like, God, that's that resonates, like you said, that's impactful, that that's Mm. contextual, you know, furloughs, seatbelts, all those things, helmets, like you said, things that bring it to life for people. That's it. And kind of it's very hard as as you guys, as mortgage and protection advisors, to there's nothing tangible that you sell. There's no sexy pair of trainers that you can take a photo of or a beautiful handbag. So you have to use these, you have to use metaphors to bring those products, those services, and that education to life. And and you do it a lot in your content. Get into your content. Sorry, I can say imagine a post that said my number one tip for anyone who wants to get or has got a mortgage. It's like, what is it? Next slide, right? Make sure you've always got the income to keep borrowing, right? And it's just like, what? Bang. And and it's like, because you can't borrow more than your income allows, but it's then it's like educational carousel around what to do. Now, you don't have to, you then don't have to promote the product. Like, follow me this week for tips on how to do this. And it's like, you know, make sure you've got a savings fund. And then it's like, Take out some income cover, like permanent sick pay. It doesn't have to all be about the product. What is it softly bringing the concept in, in a relatable way? The client goes, yeah, he's got a point, you know. And that's and what you'll notice is everything that Matt's speaking about here, not once has he said, call us about income protection. That's the difference with what you coach. But what we're going to get into, because we are way into this podcast now, which is awesome. Want to get as much value. Sorry, mate. I talked for a bit. No, no. No, love it. Love it. There's so much in there that people can pull out and um, and implement straight away. Talking about your content, I think a lot of people will be surprised when they hear this, is when you create content, how much do you, cre- do you create it for the channel or do you create it for the client? Talk us through your creation process. You just create one. Yeah, very simple, mate. I don't, I don't worry about creating specific stuff. I mean, I have been advised to do different things but for some reason for me it seems to perform really well because it's more for me it's more about the consistency than it is Mm -hmm. what i'm doing if that makes sense so 
typically to make life easy for myself, I'll try and think of a load of series of different concepts. And it's usually based on what's happening. So I'll make it very contextual. Like if I'm coaching a firm and I see there's a series of problems they've got, I'll think, well, those might be universal problems for every client, right? So then I kind of mm-hmm. go, all right, here's some tips that I took away from that. And I'll put them in. And I typically I use things like Big View, script it out for the five different posts I want to do for a week, try and record them on a Sunday if I can. It's not the end of the world if I do it in the morning. Sometimes it's best to do it when you're fresh face in the morning. I just record a video typically between 45 and 60 seconds, crop it down in Video Leap, stick one on Instagram, stick one on LinkedIn, use the scripts as the content for the video post. So it just like goes on as the text. I've already got some pre-templated hashtags that I use, the little subheading, which is, you know, get in touch for a discovery call or whatever. And it's just one piece of content for all the different things. So you get it out there. Yeah. And that's what I wanted people to understand that it's just about being consistent with that content. Your face shows up time and time and time again on LinkedIn. And I assume it's the same on Instagram as well, but it's about being front of mind for clients. So when a mortgage broker thinks, Oh, I need protection training, it's thinking of you exactly the same as if somebody wants protection, they're going to think of the person that's given so much informative content. Right before we Sorry. Sorry, I was going to say an important thing to note for your listeners is I was completely new to Instagram this time last year, so November 22. Never done it. I had like a couple of personal photos, but I created a new account for, for the protection coach and started from scratch. And Instagram now counts for more than 50% of my client pool. So it's wow. like, and I'm only saying that because I was very prevalent on LinkedIn. And then I tried Instagram and you are spot on. It is the consistency of the output that creates that can like almost the authority, like you say. And now if you go on Instagram, it's like, oh, bloody hell, he's got like 200 posts. But it's because mm-hmm. every day it's like new post, new post, new post, new post, new post, new post, engaging content. And I've tried to stick to a format. So rather, I've seen a lot of these posts where you've got loads of different text colors and the different design the next day. I've tried to just be a little bit boring, but consistent. consistent. And that's a very good point, Glenn Russell who is huge on TikTok, has like, I think he had a a video that was viewed a million times. I said, how did you get those million views? He says, I uploaded a video every day for seven days a week for 18 months. That's how I got the audience. But people think if you upload one video, we're going to go viral. It's all about consistency. And everybody that's successful on social media, it's never an overnight success. It's always about consistency. So start now if you haven't started posting. Think of it that way. In, in yeah. our world, we talk about compound interest. Think of it like compound interest, just compounding and compounding and compounding. Yeah, awesome. Right, before we get into the strategy question, we like to donate £10 to a charity of your choice to say thank you for your time. Which charity would you like us to make the donation to? It's actually Edward's Trust. So uh, a young friend of mine when I was a kid, about eight, nine years old, a guy called Edward um, passed away from leukaemia and his family set up a trust which provides accommodation for other families whose children are going through um, life-saving cancer treatment at Birmingham Children's Hospital. So, yeah, would love to give to them. That's all right. Fantastic. We will make the donation for you. So to get into the strategy question, so we are going to pretend that you've moved to the north of Scotland. You've got a laptop, a mobile phone, and an internet connection. What would you do to start generating new business? So I'd be very clear about what type of business I wanted before I did anything. I think that's the number one. I'd be very clinical about who do I want to work with and why? Um, um, probably my strategy now, looking back, would probably I'd be straight on Instagram. And with mm-hmm. Instagram, I'd be, and I, it's a little bit of a sneaky strategy. But what I'd do is, if, for example, let's say I was going after, I don't know, 
doctors, right? I'd look at what doctors were following on Instagram. So, for example, okay. if they were following like medical counsel or this kind of stuff, or you know, and all these various different feeds that feed content into doctors, because you've got two things there. One, you know, it's a captive audience; it's your audience, it's who you want to get in front of. And secondly, you know, they're Instagram engaged users because they're following something on Instagram, so you know that's their type of media, the preferred media. And I'd follow them all, mm-hmm. right? And they'd naturally follow me back. And then I'd produce content for those people. And all I'd do is my title would all be linked up as you know, mortgage for mortgage for doctors or, you know, doctor specialist or whatever it's going to be. And I'd be very linear. So I'd be like, right, that's what I'm going for. So if you can imagine, it's exactly what I did on Instagram. With Instagram, all I ever did was go on and my Instagram feed is just, I followed every mortgage broker I could find and they mm-hmm. followed me back and I put the protection coach and I made it very clear. I help mortgage advisors sell more protection. And then it's just the whole thing just gained a life of its own very quickly. So that is exactly what I'd do. I'd be very narrow in my focus. I'd be very specialized. I would go, I'd instantly create a following overnight by following anyone that I thought was my target client. And I get them to follow me back. But you can use those kind of channels as a great way of getting fish in a barrel. And I don't think mm-hmm. many people realize that. But if you like, if you want to get a particular type of client, work out where they go on Instagram and what they follow and then follow them all. And then you've got an audience like overnight. And, and it's your perfect content. audience as well. This thing is so exciting that social media, you can build an audience of your ideal client. And, and I think what we what we try and do, and I was guilty of this when I launched the business, is I want to try and help everyone because if I try and help everyone, it means that I'm going to bring in more business. Whereas actually, you want to be a mile deep and an inch wide instead of, you know what I'm trying to say without <laughs> cocking up the, uh, the saying. But no, it's, no, you're it's so right. And the best thing is you can do all of that from your dressing gown, sat on your sofa. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. Fantastic. Drop a ring light and you'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's it, a 1499 ring light. I think I've got exactly the same one. (laughs) Good old Amazon. There's uh, there's so much for people to break down in there. Not only selling more protection, but selling it in a way that is going to help you in the long run. It's better conversations. It's better protection. We've also covered social media, how you do it on social media. And as I said before, you will notice with Matt, not once has he said about a social media post that says, call me to talk about protection. It's all about give, 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 give as much value as you physically can. So when it comes to it, six months down the line, as a client, they'd almost be embarrassed to go somewhere else because they've taken so much value from Matt's content. And I think that's that's probably where you go with your content, don't you? You try and over-deliver and over-deliver and keep going. I'd even go one stage further and say, you know, ignoring the fact that the client is likely to do it because they feel guilty, think of it slightly differently, which is if you were the audience, who would you buy from? Mm. Would you buy from the one that's trying to sell you something or would you buy from the one that constantly gives you knowledge and information who in your mind just becomes the de facto expert in that field because they're always giving knowledge that no one else is giving. When they yeah. do that, you just go, oh, yeah, of course you buy from them because they're the one, aren't they? Why would you go mm-hmm. anywhere else? And it's it's creating that almost like market of one in their mind that means that you don't have to ask for the business. It just comes to you. Love it. Absolutely love it. Right, guys, we're going to leave you from that. If you want to get in touch with Matt, hit him up on social media. You're on the Protection Coach, aren't you? Or that's you, it, Are you yeah. Matt or Matthew Chapman on LinkedIn? Oh, my God, that's a great question. I don't know. I'll have a look, mate. I'll get I think. 
Um, I can't remember what I looked at earlier, but if you, if you, Matthew Chapman, Chapman. if you look for Matthew Chapman or the protection coach on Instagram, I'm sure he would be happy to have a conversation with you. And Matt's the kind of guy, if you send him a message with a little query, client or no client, I think Matt would be the kind of person to give you a a hand and a a quick, quick couple of answers to your questions. Always. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Mate, thank you so much for coming. I'm I'm not going to leave it three years to have you on next time. (laughs) Thank you again. Cheers. Take care. Thanks, mate. So thank you very much for listening. If you feel this podcast brought you any value at all, I'd be extremely grateful if you could leave me a review on the podcast, little five stars, and subscribe to keep you up to date with all future episodes. We can also connect on social, so you can get me on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn, all with the handle Social for Brokers. Look forward to hearing from you and connecting with you all.